0: Hello and happy Thanksgiving. We would like to wish you a happy holiday and welcome you back to the MGC podcast. Today, we are going to conclude yesterday's discussion with Pastor Alex. Because for as long as we hold the grudge, for as long as we hold the anger, we hold on to everything that hurts about the injury. We're holding on to the barbed wire of the injury, the sandpaper aspect of the injury. And when we forgive, we let go of the part that hurts us the most and we finally allow that wound to heal.
1: So, you've talked about how Jesus gives Judas so many opportunities he he honors Judas in front of the other disciples even right up to the time when Judas is kissing him Jesus is calling him friend where does Judas's lack of repentance come from do you think he's he's confronted with all these things and yet he's he's just plowing forward
0: you know Johnny I think that that is a very difficult question because personally I don't know where his lack of repentance comes from. I am thinking about myself and all the times in my life when I should have repented, but I didn't. Why didn't I? And if I reflect I'll be honest, it wasn't a matter of rebellion. It wasn't because I just was like, "Ah, I don't want to do what's right. I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. I think it was more a matter of tunnel vision. I am going down a path. I have set myself down this path. I've invested a lot down this path. And I'm dedicated to this path. And if there's any similarity between me and Judas... Then maybe the reason Judas uh, doesn't repent, it is because he's already invested way too much into this decision and he is not aware of how much grace and how much forgiveness and how much and how much how how much Christ desires for him to actually turn around. He doesn't realize how God or Jesus is truly calling him to 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 turn around.
1: Mm. wow tunnel vision i like that i think that's an insightful that's an insightful comment and i i resonate with that personally where no that i'm not usually walking along just being like oh yeah i i hate god today i don't want to do what is kind i don't want to do what is loving i i want to be evil I don't think there are very many people like that at all. But I, I'm so focused on things that I, that I neglect the weightier matters of the law, that I neglect kindness, that I neglect mercy, that I neglect holiness, that I neglect purity, that I neglect whatever it is because I'm so focused on chasing down something else. How do you think, um, or how do you recognize maybe Jesus relating to us Like Jesus relates to Judas in these stories that we've been talking about?
0: I think that the way Jesus relates to Judas is how Jesus relates to us every day. All the things that we wrestle with, for the most part, the majority of them, we wrestle with them in private. Whether it is greed, Pride, selfishness, insecurity, the list goes on. Those things happen in private. And Jesus doesn't expose us. He doesn't make this big announcement. He doesn't give a vision to the elders. He doesn't give a vision to the pastors and to the community of what we have done. But he points it out to us. He does things in our life where he shows us that what that there's something in our life that needs repenting from, and the matter remains private. And for the most part, a lot of these things we can repent from them, and they don't ever need to see the light of day. They can stay between us and God. But it is when we don't repent from these things quickly that eventually. They become public and then we need to bring other people into it because our sins will eventually hurt other people. Our sins will eventually find us out. Our sins will eventually, um, they will leak out of the privacy of our lives. Like if our life is a bottle, um, there's only so much space in there before the things that we fill our lives with overflow and people will Mm -hmm. see what's actually Um, inside of us. So in this story, I see Jesus relating to Judas in the way that he relates to us privately before things are made public.
1: Mm. Man, as you were talking about that, I just reflected on that statement of Jesus out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and the way that things unrepented of eventually find their way out they're bottled up but the more they stay inside the more they grow and then eventually they erupt into the public arena whether it's through the mouth or you could say out of the abundance of the heart the the hand acts you know or the feet act or the pen acts or the the comment on facebook acts (laughs) you know it's not necessarily a a literal spoken word but um man, that's, that's, that's how it goes. That's the trajectory. You, you talked later on, you connected this with a, a passage in 1 Peter. Now, uh, Peter, of course, writing as one who observed all of this interaction between Judas and Jesus. And you talk about 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25 and, and how it talks about following Jesus' example in suffering. And he gives an opportunity, as we've said, to Judas to change and then forgives him and reminds him that they're still friends. Um, and that this is an example for us, First Peter is arguing. What does what does following this example look like practically today? Put some skin on that.
0: Practically. This means searching within ourselves what wounds we have chosen to left open in our lives. What, who has, trying to discover, search within our hearts, like who are we still angry at? Who are we still upset with? Who do we hold resentments against? and then follow in the footsteps of Christ in extending a grace to them and that's why it's called a grace because it's undeserved extending a grace of forgiveness to them in order to allow those wounds to heal like in the passage of 1 Peter chapter 2 uh, verse 21 through 25 Peter says that the example that Jesus left is what was is what brought us to God. Therefore, follow this example. And why do we follow that example? Because in following that example, we too are brought back to God. Because when people injure us, we were hurt, we're angry, and hurt and anger they undo us. They push us away from God. And in extending that forgiveness and being freed from it, we are able to be brought back to God because those things like anger and resentment that push us away from God are taken away. And we are are allowing ourselves to be brought back to the fold of God or as uh, Peter says, the overseer of your soul.
1: I'm curious as you listed off some of those things think about the people that you're angry with think about the people you're resentful of and I know that of course you know myself I've I've had some pretty deep wounds and I know other people listening to this may have even deeper wounds and we face this this challenge um to radical forgiveness and friendship, this this Jesus who um, on the cross says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do about people who are literally spitting on him and killing him. Um, How do we relate to setting healthy boundaries with those who have hurt us now in this life in light of this example and the call to follow the example?
0: Forgiveness does not mean that the person who hurt us can now be part of our lives Um, because there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And reconciliation might not always be possible, but forgiveness is always possible. Sometimes the person who hurt us it's just impossible to be reconciled because we might not know where they are. They, it might have happened 40, 50 years ago, and we just don't know where they are. We can't be reconciled. Or maybe the person is dead. Or maybe the person who hurt us does not, is not repentant. They don't think they did anything wrong, and they would do it all over again if they were given the opportunity. Reconciliation is not always possible. But forgiveness on our part is always possible. And that is why, like earlier I said, it's a grace. It's something that is undeserved, is something that the other person doesn't need to have. But it's something that we need to give if we are to be free from the experience. Because for as long as we hold the grudge, for as long as we hold the anger, we hold on to the We hold on to everything that hurts about the injury. We're holding on to the barbed wire of the injury, the sandpaper aspect of of the injury. And when we forgive, we let go of the part that hurts us the most. And we finally allow that wound to heal. And just because you forgave that person doesn't mean that you're going to be reconciled because we can't control how the other person is going to respond to what happened. But even if the person chooses to be reconciled, there is a safe, there is, there needs to be a safe amount of space because how the relationship looks like after reconciliation needs to be Uh, determined by the person who was hurt, not by the person who did the hurting. The person who got hurt is able to set the boundaries. The other, it has to be on their terms, not on the terms of the perpetrator. It's on the terms of the one who got hurt. And this is what's amazing about Christ because Christ, we're the ones who hurt him, but he reconciles us to himself and then he takes out the barrier. But God is God. We're not God. Sometimes it's just healthier to say, I forgive you, to be reconciled if it's possible, but to say, you know, I think it's better for my mental health and my spiritual life for us to just not be in each other's lives.
1: I think that image that you used of the barbed wire is a poignant one to me, that we're holding on to, to barbed wire, and when we let it go, we let go of the thing that's, that's hurting us the most. But at the same time, I recognize in my life, um, there have been times when I've felt like holding onto the barbed wire is worth it. That that, that allows me to, to eke out some semblance of justice. And if I let it go, that justice will, will never come. Aren't we giving up that chance? Of exacting justice, um, the vengeance uh, that, that we deserve that would have some sort of payoff for us by letting go of that barbed wire?
0: Both Deuteronomy thirty two thirty five 35 and Romans 12, 17 and 19 say that vengeance belongs to God. Holding on to anger doesn't bring justice in the same way that a Facebook post is not social justice. <laughs> um, holding on to, to anger doesn't bring justice, but in fact, can it can perpetuate injustice. And one of my favorite authors, Miroslav Volf, wrote a book called The End of Memory, where he makes this argument that In order for justice to truly be made, we have to remember things correctly. Because if we remember something incorrectly, then we are adding to the injustice that was done to us inside of our own minds. And by by doing that, we might ourselves become more vengeful. We ourselves might become more violent. And we ourselves might end up repeating the act that was done to us. If vengeance belongs to God, then there is this trust that we have that God is a just God and he will do the right thing. And forgiveness means handing over that aspect of our anger to God. And forgiveness doesn't mean that at least on the earthly plane, there won't be justice. Because justice still needs to be served. There are consequences to our actions. Just because we forgive someone does not mean that we stop trying to fight for justice on this earth. If someone has hurt us, the law is still going to prosecute them. But as they go to jail, we can extend that hand of forgiveness.
1: There's one, uh, one other thing that's really something that I'd be curious about how you would unpack this and and this comes from the the conclusion of our of our talk this last saturday morning you hit on this theme this idea you will never understand the gospel until you can call an enemy a friend until we can suffer in forgiving somebody we will not be able to understand the suffering god's the suffering god goes through in forgiving us we will never understand mercy until we allow ourselves to experience the pain that it takes to forgive someone. Something that I'm curious about coming out of those observations is that classic two-year-old question, why? Why is it important for us to understand what it takes for God to accept us? Maybe that seems really basic, but but can't I just be like, great, I'm accepted, Why? why do I need to go through the pain, the suffering, so that i can understand this this thing about god
0: i think that we have all been in this place one time or another when someone has said to us i understand or i know how you must be feeling right now and what we think to ourselves is no you don't you have no idea what this feels like and it's true oftentimes it's true and anyone who has ever been severely hurt anyone who's ever experienced rape anyone who's ever experienced a loved one be murdered anyone who's ever experienced um, being exploited by another person They know something that no one else knows. And that is the sense of anger, the sense of injustice, and this desire for, for vengeance and confusion. And only someone who's experienced those extreme emotions can know and has gone through the process of healing, can know what it takes to overcome those feelings. And to overcome. Those. Emotions. Um, to make a long story short. My. Grandfather. My dad's dad. He was. Murdered. In front of him. With a machete. His head was. Chopped off. In front of him. And. And then my father spent the whole night in a field with his father's body and the persons who killed his father wouldn't let him leave because every time he showed his head in the field they'd shoot in his direction um one day uh, my dad and i were, were standing by the beach and i am struggling because i am upset at a friend of mine who I feel has hurt me very deeply. I remember we were standing by the beach and I'm like, I don't understand dad. Like I thought that we were such good friends. I thought that we we were always going to be there for one another. I thought that we would one day have stories to tell as old men of our friendship. And I was just so hurt and I felt so betrayed and I'm just bawling and telling my dad this story. Um, And then my dad tells me and i already knew the story of his father's murder but then he tells me how the story finished and he tells me about how years after his conversion he went back to his motherland and he goes to uh like a coffee shop where the people generally his friends usually gathered and there in the back of the coffee shop was the man who killed his dad except now he was mutilated someone had attacked him with a machete and now he was disabled and my dad in because he was happy to see his friends. He said, I wanna buy a suit for everyone here. And uh, the person that worked there, knowing that, who the guy in the back of the the store was, said, even him? And my dad was like, yes, even him. But I wanna serve it to him. So my dad served the suit and served it to him and gave him a smile and that was the last time he ever saw him. And my dad said to me, it was at that moment that I finally forgave him. And because I've known my dad my whole life, all of a sudden I understood him so much better because I know the long struggle that he has had with many things. And to know that despite all that hurt, he was able to extend forgiveness. Like I knew that he must understand something that I don't know about grace and mercy. And I was able to eventually forgive my friend, but we were never reconciled. And I always take that experience with me because I know for anyone who's had similar experiences, you know, how much it hurts and then, you know, how much it hurts to all of a sudden have to lay it down and say, I'm finally letting this go because the anger is precious, because it's always been with you. It's like a familiar friend, it's a familiar shadow. And to finally let your loosen your grip and say, I'm letting this go. Only people who have been severely hurt know how much that hurts to do. And then when we hear the words, Jesus forgives, we know there's a context to that. There's a context to it. We know how difficult it is to forgive. We know how much it hurts to forgive. We can recognize that Jesus had to forgive Judas even before he did the act in order to wash his feet, in order to serve him bread, in order to serve him wine, and then to call him friend. Forgiveness had to be there from the very beginning in order for any of it to happen. And it must have been difficult. So when I can see in my personal life how painful it is to forgive, I can understand how painful it is for Christ to forgive. And when Christ sits me at his table and he gives me bread and wine, I know what has brought me there. I know the grace that has been extended to me to bring me to that table.
1: Thanks for joining us, everyone. It's awesome to have and share these conversations with you. I really appreciated this opportunity to go deep with Pastor Alex. His wisdom, his thoughtfulness, the challenge to live differently because Jesus lived differently. If it's a conversation you really resonated with, I just encourage you to like, subscribe, rate, or review us. The more we as a community gather around collectively and do these things, the easier it will be for people to find the podcast, be impacted by the conversations we have. Thanks for going on the journey with us. It's a privilege. Have a great week. Pastor Johnny out.